This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 3rd of November. And Norman, this past week or so in Australia has been very nice. Uh, it took me a while to figure out what people were talking about when they talked about donut days because I'm a bit thick. I thought they were just celebrating by eating a donut, but no, it's because the donut is like a zero and it's for cases where there's been zero spread or zero new cases or zero deaths, depending on what metric you're looking at. You need to get out more, Tegan. <laughs> well, yeah, need to get to some more donut shops by the sounds of it. But it is really great to see that sort of happening in Australia. But I suppose as case numbers get super low, which is a cause for celebration, It's also a potential risk that we start to get complacent. Absolutely. Too many donuts, your saturated fat, you know, your cholesterol is going to go up, your abdomen is dangerous for so many reasons. Your waist circumference is going to expand. But um, (laughs) there are COVID implications of donut days. And the, the implication here is that we forget what it was like when COVID was around in higher, with a higher prevalence. And we are constantly importing coronavirus to Australia. You've got 25,000, maybe 30,000 Australians wanting to come back from overseas or coming back from high prevalence countries. They're going to be bringing back coronavirus. They're not all going to be going to Howard Springs in the Northern Territory. And there's always a risk that hotel quarantine breaks down and we get an escape. There's freighters arriving in Western Australia with people on board with coronavirus. So we're not entirely safe. We're in pretty good shape. And really what we've all got to do is not be complacent and continue to get tested. So whether you're listening to Coronacast in Mandurah, Adelaide or Melbourne, you need to get tested if you've got a symptom because you just can't be sure that the virus isn't popping up. And the virus can come in, it can go underground for a few weeks and then pop up again and we've just got to be constantly vigilant. So the COVID normal applies all over Australia. Um, and we've just got to be continue to be vigilant and a bit prudent in terms of social distancing. But it's hard to impose that when there's virtually no virus around. But we've just got to be prudent. So New South Wales and Victoria, COVID normal is going to be uh, much more social distancing for quite some time to come. In other states, they've got used to being a bit more relaxed. But we shouldn't be relaxed about symptoms. We've got to get tested in large numbers. So I guess the message is don't let down your guard when it comes to coronavirus. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. If, I was, if I'd said it, I was told that, I'd be told that's a real dad joke. Oh, well, I'm not a dad, so I'm safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tegan can't possibly tell a corny <laughs> joke. And the other thing that we need to do, and, and again, we need to do it across the country, is sewage testing and just really doing a fairly comprehensive amount of sewage testing and actually being able to do sewage testing near to sources as well so you know where it's coming from. So you can reassure yourself there's no virus circulating um, that might be a surprise. Because even though you can't home in on an individual with sewage testing, it's really about that kind of early warning that it could be circulating. No, you can sniff out areas where it might be a problem. Sniff out, can you? Mm, That's Mm -hmm. that's a dead joke. I (laughs) I can be accused of that. (laughs) So on the things that we should be doing to keep ourselves safe, we've got some questions about masks. And Joe's asking about public transport. Um, Joe's saying most public transport these days is enclosed. They're imagining it doesn't have good airflow. Uh, how safe is it to travel within the city on buses, trains or light rail? Joe's saying they've been feeling quite safe in rural isolation but heading to Sydney in a few weeks and feeling a little worried. Well, I, I, it's, it's pretty safe because there's not a lot of virus around. But you're right, Joe, that public transport in closed areas like that are a, risk, are, are a potential risk. But if you wear a mask, then you are to some extent protecting yourself, but you're also protecting others. 
And, and the problem for New South Wales is that they're not mandating masks in public transport, which I believe they should. And then you, you could get over social distancing on the trains and on the buses and so on and actually cram them a bit more, make them a little bit more crowded because if everybody's wearing a mask, the risk is really pretty low. So I, you know, I think that you are hampered a little bit by public policy, which is not insisting on masks. But you know, the risk is low anywhere. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm using public transport and I wear masks. So we've got a couple of new pieces of research that have come out quite recently about masks. And one of them is about how mask mandates really do have quite a marked effect. Yeah, this is a really interesting study using real life as an experiment in various counties in the Midwest in over 12 weeks where they could do a before and after study in uh, two of a five county um, area. So in other words, mask the mandated masks in two out of five counties. So it was like a controlled trial, even though it wasn't deliberately designed as such. And what they showed in brief was that in the counties, this is in St. Louis, there was about a 30% reduction in, um, in the growth of COVID-19 over, I think, the first three weeks. And then after that, the reduction increased to about 42%. So a very significant and very fast reduction in the growth rate. It wasn't that there was no COVID spread, but the growth rate was much lower. So they flattened the curve more successfully in the counties that implemented it. So it does work. Mm, and this is a preprint study. It hasn't been peer-reviewed or published in a journal yet, but it, it gels with other studies that have come out. I've seen similar data out of Kansas, same sort of story where some counties have uh, mask mandates and others don't. And there's a really clear divide between the growth rate in those places with masks versus the ones without. Yep. And the other thing that I've heard people say about masks is that sometimes when they're wearing them, they feel quite breathless and maybe there's a concern that they're not actually able to get enough oxygen in when they're wearing a mask. But there's studies that show that that's probably in your head as well, isn't it? There's a recent study just in the last two or three days from Canada, from McMaster University in Hamilton, which is one of the world's leading institutions looking at evidence-based care. And what they looked at was oxygen saturation, in other words, how good your oxygen levels were in older people, that's people over 65, uh, putting on the masks. And they were healthy older people, so they didn't have heart or respiratory problems. And what they found was, bottom line, was that when they put a a three-layer disposable non-medical face mask on them, their oxygen levels remained the same. So is it more that people just have a sense of claustrophobia that you just have to get used to wearing a mask, that it's just something you've got to learn? Look, I think the bottom line is you're right. That is you're right. There's a lot of perception here versus reality. Some people do feel a bit stuffy inside a mask and find it a bit difficult to breathe. And you've got to look, if that's the case, about the design of the mask and whether it's too thick. Um, if it's an N95 mask, have you fitted it properly? So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of variables here, but I think you can reassure yourself from this study, although it's a small study, that if you're otherwise well, um, you're unlikely to be reducing your oxygen levels significantly. So just staying in North America for a moment, as you may have heard, Norman, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, uh, had coronavirus recently. And uh, of course, it was massive news. And one of the things that we didn't ever really hear was where he and the other people in the White House actually probably caught it. What do we know about this now? Well, um, a group in Seattle who've been following the genetics of the COVID-19 virus of SARS-CoV-2 since near the beginning and have done tens of thousands of tests on the virus or brought together tens of thousands of genome genomic analyses of the virus so that they can track the origins of the virus. Now, the thing to note here is that the White House has not done any contact tracing 
or other testing to actually work out where this virus came from or indeed where it went to. And what they've done in this study is taken two journalists who've been named and done a genetic analysis of their viruses. Now, they have not been in contact with each other, so they've not caught the virus from each other. And really, you can never be absolutely sure, but as sure as you can be, they must have caught it at the White House. And what they've shown is that the virus that they've caught is the same virus. It was a relatively rare form of the, vi- of the virus, but can be tracked back to earlier on in the year, April, May, and actually originating in Europe. So it's likely that they did catch it at the White House, and now they know the virus that was at the White House. And if they w- were able to, but probably will never be able to, you could track, in theory, where it went to after the super spreader event, presumably in the Rose Garden. When you say it's a rare form of the virus, is that unusual or is does that just sort of make it more likely that it actually was the White House that they caught it and not other circulating uh, strains? Yeah, there's nothing particularly, there's nothing special about the virus apart from the fact that the, uh, you know, there haven't been many variants of that virus found. Interesting. I guess we'll probably never know. We will never know. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. If you want to send in a question, please don't think long about it. Go straight to our website, abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click ask a question and ask it and mention Coronacast so we can pick it up. You can also leave us a comment if you want to accuse Norman of making any dad jokes. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can, because we do love reading them. And we'll accuse Tegan of making granny jokes. We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) See you then. 